What's up, man? Uh, green screen now. I have a mic. Both things at which they're definitely in the beta. <laughs> hey, uh, all right. Welcome in here to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Today is January 15th, 2022. It is 9.04 a.m. in the morning. Let's do a quick... Uh, Let's do a quick market check here. We got to check in on things, see how things are developing. Let's share the screen real quick here. How was your week, brother? And it was good. It was a good week. We got some good stuff done. Um, good stuff moving in the business. Good stuff happening for sure. How about you? Grinding, but uh, it was good. A lot happened in the Bitcoin world. It's really funny how much I have to check Twitter nowadays. Mm. Love my Twitter feed. I feel like my Twitter feed might be better than anybody else's. That is the that is the truth, man. I, I gotta love, I gotta love getting on on Bitcoin and uh, get on Bitcoin Twitter for sure. Can't beat some of those guys, man. It's good stuff out there. All right, let's do this quick market check here. Let's look at Bitcoin. Let's just look at the past week here since uh, since our very first episode. This is one week later. Um, it's like we're doing all right. 43. It is what it is. Hey, we'll talk about some of the short term and long term stuff over 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 a couple episodes here. But what do you think here? 43 one. Looks good to me. Looks good. Looks all right. How about the S&P? Not another all time high this week, I don't think. No, we're definitely uh, definitely got some weird volatility in the markets these days. But that is the daily market check. You know, it's really great being a Bitcoiner because it really does make investing so easy. What's the goal? Stack sats, long-term, don't leverage in, and it's all good. It's you know, like obviously it sucks when you buy a top and you don't buy, you know, I mean, I understand, but it's really You got to think uh, compared to what and uh, compared to how long? You know, that's always the question, right? Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, the, um, the price, the price action, you know, that everybody likes to talk about the volatility of the markets that definitely plays into, uh, the ideas that people have about Bitcoin being able to, or not being able to be a store of value, right? People, people look at the price action compared to the dollar and they're like, how could this be a store of value if it's up and down, up and down? And, and Griff, I would venture to ask, compared to what? It's a store value compared to what, right? If we compare it to the dollar or other assets or commodities or, or monies, whatever it may be, now we're comparing two things, right? So it, it's a store value compared to what, or it's not a store value of compared to what? What do you think about, uh, what do you think about that thought there? Well, that gets into what me and Nick talk about all the time and kind of why we wanted to make a podcast <clears throat> kind of to get out our thoughts on like, like Bitcoin, like what is Bitcoin? It's funny. It's like one, it's one of like the hardest questions to answer, even if you've studied it for a long time, because hmm. you almost feel like you have to pick something, right? Like you almost feel like, okay, like you store value, medium of exchange, digital property. I mean, I just saw one of these things where somebody had like 15 different 
like what is Bitcoin? How many markets can Bitcoin get into in terms of like how many dollars can be invested into Bitcoin? 15 different things. But what Nick, what Nick and I want to do is start a little episode series here of Bitcoin, what is it? And we're going to start with store value. We want to talk about Bitcoin as a store of value. What does that mean? Maybe a little bit of history about a store of value and, you know, I guess our opinion on how fast and or um, how slow Bitcoin might be able to take over the store of value market. And is Bitcoin a store of value? Well, I guess validate if it is a store of value here today for you. And we're going to go down the line and we're just going to find out how many things Bitcoin is. And, you know, Nick has an opinion. I have an opinion. I feel like Bitcoin is the future economy. I feel like Bitcoin is everything. I feel like Bitcoin, it, like there is nothing that Bitcoin really isn't in terms of an economy. Um, I don't really feel like there is a limit to it. And I don't really feel like there is a limit to the internet. So, so let's talk about uh, what are, what are some examples you think that we can use as store of values um, to, to compare Bitcoin to, um, you know, I, I think probably the most, uh, the most known, the most famous one uh, in today's world would probably be gold, right? Um, gold is, has been the, the longstanding um, store of value that has been widely accepted, right? Um, and, and we know that uh, there's definitely some history and uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we go into some of the history there with how, how um, gold was uh, used initially, not initially, I mean, there's a long history before gold, but once gold was used as a store of value, um, then, uh, and I couldn't tell you the exact dates, but at some point, the United States government decides, hey, we're going to create fiat currency, and we're going to, not fiat currency, we're going to create a gold-backed dollar, right? So for every dollar, that represented some uh, amount of gold within uh, that, that's been held by the, uh, the Fed, right, the, the Federal Reserve. Yeah, I mean, like, however long back you want to go in human history, it was like, you know, at first, an economy really just started with trade, you know, you'd barter everything. Mm-hmm. Because nobody, what a store of value is, is let's just say, let's just say you have a seashell, because seashells were a store of value at one point for humans. All a store of value is something that is if you get it from somebody in the transaction for an expression of your time as we know or, that. or you find it or you mine it yourself right whatever or you find it because obviously gold you can, it is a commodity that you can find it's a metal in the earth and that is what a store value eventually became but a store value is just something where you get it in in an economic form and it's a form of your time and so if you hold it say you save it in 50 years 100 years a thousand years will it still have value and that's really what a store of value is. So history of a store of value is people used to just trade, which obviously is not good. That's what, that doesn't really help uh, human output when people can't trust, they can't trust, uh, you know, a medium of exchange and a store of value that just, you know, the economic output is not going to be as powerful. So store of value is really important to set. But then over time, uh, I believe there was like a metals battle and gold got picked and gold is was a store of value in and of itself for about 5,000 years. And they would create silver coins as the medium of exchange with gold backing it because gold is very hard to divide. So it's not really a good medium of exchange, but it's a very good store of value because it's very hard. And then, yeah, like you were saying, um, governments basically started 
printing dollars and backing it with gold all the way up until our favorite year, 1971. And um, officially go off the gold standard. And now we're officially operating on a fiat standard, right? That's a big, that's a big yeah, deal. Like a hundred years really ever since the Fed was created. Yeah, the, uh, the switch from gold backed money, um, you know, now kind of bring it more toward, you know, where we're at now. Um, and, and what we're seeing here in the, in the recent past, um, you know, 1971, you go off the gold standard, completely off the gold standard. And we've got fiat money, right, that is regulated in value by the central bank, right, which is for the US dollar, that's the Federal Reserve or the Fed, right. Um, and there's, there's a lot of different factors, right, that go into that, um, as far as how, how is it controlled? How is the supply of money controlled? all of those different things, right? Open market operations and, and fiscal policy, interest rates, all of those different types of things, as well as, you know, government spending and how, how that plays into the whole thing. Um, you know, it really, it really gets to a point where it's controlled by people, right? And I think that, you know, again, store of value being one of those foundational beliefs of, of Bitcoin, you've got to ask um, where are we at today and why do we need to change, right? Why are why are things changing with monetary policy and what's why the value in Bitcoin, right? Um, well, yeah, and I think, I think human error element of, of the control by the Fed, right? And, and well, how Bitcoin is decentralized, but we'll, we'll get into uh, some of the store value here, um, I guess, a little bit more specifically. What were you going to say? Well, yeah, I mean, so we're going to talk about the store value of it and what's important with money. And this is why Bitcoin is so amazing, but <clears throat> we talk about hardness of money and hardness of money is like the stock to flow plan B why Bitcoin's going to the moon. But really like hardness of money is important because, you know, you, when you tie it back into store value, you need something that's going to be, you know, gold doesn't wear away. Gold doesn't break down. Gold is hard to divide. So over time it's really great. So it has a great stock to flow and it's hard to find there's not a lot of gold on this planet. So it's hard to find, which makes it even harder. But um, I think what we're talking about is like a stock to flow situation uh, in which, you know, you want your money to be sound. You want your money to be hard. You want your money, no pun intended, I guess, but you want your money to have really good, I mean, value hardness. So I think a piece that really plays into that, right? And you mentioned it a second ago is the stock to flow. Um, so the, the stock to flow is definitely important when it comes to uh, the value of our money not being eroded over time, right? If we, if, we think about, um, if we think about the total amount of economic value in a total economy, right? Whether that's the world or the country um, or a state or a local uh, municipality, whatever it is, right? However large or small that economy is, the total economic value you put in some portion of that economic value, right? And you receive a commodity or money for that so that you can use that economic value to pay to live, right? You, you've got to, you've got to pay for food, you got to pay for um, your housing and all these things to be produced, right? It, within the total economy. If our small section of the economic value that we've created that we get to hold in our money, if that is eroded in value over time, that means that what we've created um, is being devalued over time, right? And the economic value that we create in the economy is done through time and labor, right? 
you're not you're not necessarily just trading time, right? You're trading your time and your work, right? So it's that time and labor piece that make up the economic value that is represented by money, right? Um, and if that is eroded over time, you're eroding your time and your work, which I think is is not good. I think that that's wrong over time, uh, for sure. So you got to talk about stock to flow. So stock is what the total supply is in the open market. So if we're thinking about money, right? Um, right now, it's the U.S. dollar, right? The stock of the U.S. dollar is the total amount of dollars that are out in circulation. The flow of, of, a, of something, the flow to the stock is, is the new addition of that commodity or good or money, right? So uh, you think about the dollar, right? The stock being the total dollars in circulation, the flow would be new dollars added into the total supply, right? The stock. If that new flow is, is really big, that means that the supply increases and the dollars or the economic value that we hold get devalued over time, right? As new flow is added in, it increases that supply, right? So that one or 10 or a hundred or a million dollars that we've got becomes less of the total supply devaluing it, right? Or like 40% in one year printed, maybe? Or like 40% in the past two years, so whatever it's been, right? It's been crazy to, to think about the Fed and how they've, how they've printed money right? Jerome Powell's fired up that printing machine um, that, that devalues our money over time, which I believe to be uh, wrong a, and, and, sound, and not sound money, right? Definitely not. So let's, so let's look at Bitcoin. How does Bitcoin uh, stack up with, with this uh, fixed supply store of value um, uh, type element? How, how, does it, how does it compare here with the dollar? So the stock of Bitcoin right now is, what is it, somewhere around 18 million, 19 million total Bitcoin in circulation, total Bitcoin out there or have been mined? Yeah, it's way up there. There's only like a million to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so, so, the, so the Bitcoin flow or the, the, the Bitcoin stock is that 18, 19 million, whatever it is, and the flow of new Bitcoin being mined into the total supply I think it's somewhere around one, one and a half percent right now, but that changes based on the half-life of the Bitcoin mining protocol. Um, so every block that's mined and added to the blockchain, and this we, we, we're going to have to go into what the blockchain really is and how that works at some point here, but um, without going into all that stuff, every, every block that's mined and added to the blockchain, you get a blockchain reward of Bitcoin, right? Um, that reward right now is 6.25 Bitcoin every block that's mined. And every block is mined about every 10 minutes, right? Based on the algorithms. And we know that with math, which is really cool. Um, so every 10 minutes, 6.25 Bitcoin are added into circulation at this point in this halving cycle. So when Bitcoin originally started, that, that Bitcoin reward was 50 Bitcoin. And then it halved and went to 25 Bitcoin reward. Then it halved again and went to 12.5 Bitcoin reward. And then it halved again. And we're now in the halving cycle of 6.25 Bitcoin rewards, right? So it halves every just about four years or every 210,000 blocks added to the blockchain. So, so it's really cool. You can see the half-life over time and it's very predictable. It's, it's exactly predictable because of uh, the math and the cryptography that it's built upon, which is really interesting. So we know that um, the max supply of Bitcoin will be 21 million. So every single half-life, there is less and less and less Bitcoin added in to the total supply, which then implies 
that the total supply or the stock, at which point that you hit, you know, a, a basically insignificant um, or, or virtually zero new production, that that supply is fixed, right? That Bitcoin supply is fixed. And what that means for us today is if we can buy now when the price is less denominated in the dollar, right? Because the value is not quite there yet. People aren't massively adopting quite yet. The, the more the more Bitcoin we can buy now, it's only going to increase in value because it is fixed. What do you think? Um, there you go. I think, absolutely, but I think um, <laughs> that was really well put, honestly. I'm, like, that was the first time I heard Nick talk about that. And I think, you know, what we're really trying to talk about here with the store of value, like Bitcoin is a store of value. It's, it's exactly what you're talking about. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. You know, I mean, there's only going to be 21 million. And obviously there's a way that you get there, but there's only going to be a finite amount. And that's really important for people to understand because think about what's going on with the dollar. How does that really affect the day-to-day -day economy? How does that affect you as a person? Well, that's just goes and ties into inflation and inflation is so detrimental to a store of value. You know, if everybody can have it, then it's not valuable, like Nick is saying. And I don't know, like you tell me, is there anything that's going to be able to compete with Bitcoin over the next 50 years, 100 years, 2000 years, 25,000 years? Like, when is Bitcoin not going to be the best store of value? Yeah. And, and this is, you know, I, I think it's important too to note that um, obviously for this to set up and, and hold a uh, uh, a store of value, hold the store of value um, long term, we have to assume that we are still going to have the internet. We are still going to have the technology that we've got today into the future. And, uh, and I would, I would also probably venture to say that we're going to continue to develop, right? We're, we're still going to see innovation that's going to be built upon the internet, built upon Bitcoin, um, built upon all of these things, right? That's going to only move us further into the future as far as technology goes. But uh, assuming that that is all true, then Bitcoin, yeah, there's no reason that Bitcoin wouldn't hold its value all the way through that, right? It's based in math. It's based on open protocol, um, which is, which is some, some big pieces as far as holding value, right? It can't be, it can't be uh, tankered with. Uh, well, it's, also, you know. it's also secured by a Terra hashing monetary network that is unbreakable and the only way that you'd be able to get rid of that is if you were to do a worldwide shutdown of the internet, because think about it, as long as there's one miner hashing the public ledger and holding the value, because that's what we're talking about. That's super important, I feel like, as well, when you talk about Bitcoin as a store of value. So Bitcoin is an open source monetary network in which let's let's say Nick and I want to trade Bitcoin, right? Like I, I want to buy Nick's hat. I wouldn't buy Nick's hat, you know what I'm saying? Because I got a nice hat. But let me buy Nick's hat, right? And Nick is going to be like, okay, it's going to cost 5,000 Satoshis. Well, the how the Bitcoin... Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. What, what's a Satoshi? You're going to have to we're, you're gonna have to talk about what a Satoshi is. You're going to use that. Satoshi is just a one one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin is Satoshi. So it's like that's the medium of exchange argument. So I guess I was just going to save that for medium of exchange. So let's just say me and Nick want to trade some Bitcoin first half. I send Nick Bitcoin. He puts it into his layer one layer one wallet, his savings account, and it needs to get 
hashed into the public ledger so that everybody knows that this is now his Bitcoin. Needs to get verified in so that everybody says, yes, this is mine. Yeah. Right. So it can prevent double spending. It can prevent, obviously, like, I don't know, fraud. It can, def- it, it can prevent, uh, like, you know, with gold as a store of value, there's an issue in which you can dilute it. You can fake it. You can do all this kind of stuff with Bitcoin. If it's hashed into a public ledger, there is no, there's no faking that. Well, so, it's, fi- it's final settlement, right? It's you've transferred this economic value to me and I have given you my hat in the example, right? It's the final settlement of that transfer. Right, but also meaning on a laptop speaking, Nick and I, all the way back to Bitcoin's first transaction, you can see from address to address where every piece of Bitcoin has been sent. Yep. And that's super important as a store of value because it's just like, there is no, fi- you can't fake it. And that is a problem that does affect the hardness of gold that obviously counterfeit dollars is a huge thing. It affects dollars as well, but it doesn't affect Bitcoin. That this also just like, that is a perfect store of value. It goes like right into it. Well, you, you gotta, you gotta think too, like, I don't know how much research you've done on how the actual blockchain technology works, but it's really interesting that, uh, so within, within a block on the blockchain, right? Let's, let's talk about the blockchain for just a second. So one block contains a bunch of transactions uh, from, from, you know, the, all the examples of me and Griff sending Bitcoin back and forth to each other, right? It, it contains all these transactions. And I believe that that number is somewhere in the range of like a thousand to 3000 per block. Isn't it Griff? I think it's something like that. What average, average block size, as far as transactions, how many transactions are in each block? doesn't matter. It's that, that, that's not like a supporting detail there necessarily, um, or, or like a foundational detail of it, but, um, so, I think there is an amount like the problem with Bitcoin scalability with the lightning network helps out with is the fact that there was only, there is only so many. So, so within each block, you've got all these transactions, right? And each transaction uh, or each block has to, has to be verified or mined, right? It has to be verified as, um, as valid transactions that happened on the blockchain. Right. Um, so with that being said, right, it's got, they, they do the uh, cryptography, right, which is uh, all the math that goes into how they mine and find the exact input that creates the hash or the, the exact output that they need. Um, this is really tough to explain it. There's, there's a lot of uh, good YouTube videos that visualize it. Um, but th- the key piece here is that this block refers to the block before it, and that block refers to the block before it, Right. Um, and uh, if, if one of those blocks is changed or altered in any way, everything in front of it becomes invalid as well. So on the blockchain, the longest chain is considered the one that is valid, right? So, so the one that has the most verified transaction is, transactions is the one that's valid. Um, and and it's, it's important, too, to note that, that that general ledger, right, that keeps all of that, that information uh, is, is dispersed among all the nodes, I mean, if I've got a wallet on my, if I've got an uh, uh, an Apple wallet, if I've got a, a Bitcoin wallet on my phone, I hold a copy of the entire ledger um, that is Bitcoin, which is which is really interesting, right? I mean, as long as as long as there's one wallet, it's all contained, it's all it's all held safe, which is which is crazy to think about, you know. Um, but but from a store of value standpoint, it's it's that. Uh, you're, you're able to track your economic value in it and it holds uh, because it can't be tampered with. And if it is tampered with, everything else becomes invalid um, in the sense that uh, 
if, if you and I tried to forge a transaction, we would have to hash that into the blockchain. And then we would have to hash every single transaction after that. Um, it, it's, it's infeasible. I mean, it's, there, there are mathematical possibilities and I, I've seen some stuff on that. Haven't really read into it, but it's, it's definitely possible, um, but uh, nearly impossible. Well, you would have to, the fear, well, you're right. And like, we're talking about hashing. And so if Nick and I are miners, we're, we're sitting over here solving all of these math codes and have Terra hashing in the system and essentially creating Bitcoin security, which is important as a store of value. And this makes Bitcoin the most secure monetary network, the most secure form of money ever, because like Nick is talking about, you would need like a, at this point, or at any point with Terra hashing, you would need a quantum computer to essentially do what Nick is talking about and fake the system or beat the system. And, you know, that's something people have fear of, I guess, but who's to say if there's a quantum computer, they don't just mine Bitcoin faster than everybody and take all the Bitcoin. Like who's to say, um, who's to say that the Bitcoin network, it's currently also protected by the fact that say you have, Uh, a Bitcoin transaction, it's protected by a 256 digit code. Okay. That's a, that's a lot of work to like, even a quantum computer, you know, it's yet to be seen if it'll be able to, you know, reverse those codes. And like you're saying, hash its own essentially transactions into the system and take Bitcoin or cheat the system and fake transactions and, you know, essentially hack Bitcoin. Well, it's it's interesting you got to mention too because the uh, the protocol has built in um, the difficulty of of the hashing, right? The difficulty of the mining um, as the as the hash rate increases, right? As the computer power that's going into it increases and is able to mine faster, the difficulty increases. Right. Built into the protocol, which is interesting. Right. Which it's funny because there's actually I don't know if you've seen the news. There's two like single unit miners that have gotten rewards in the past like two weeks, which is pretty. Yeah. Cool. But yeah so essentially, you know, to hack the Bitcoin system and or to ever fake Bitcoin, which you know, who's to say once they do that, you know, what happens? You know, that is one thing. But um, you know. Who's to say that the first person who figures out quantum computing for one will attack it? And also who's to say, okay, 256 isn't enough. The Bitcoin network votes on it being now because coding works in doubles, 256 becomes what, 512? Who's to say it just doesn't become a 512 digit code and it makes it that much harder to do it. And therefore there would need be no real quantum computing issue. So I just don't think that anything will ever be able to compete with Bitcoin because it is like, it's an open source protocol that can always get better. And that's what people don't understand about it. But as a store of value speaking, there is nothing that is more secure. There's nothing that's more finite. There's nothing that is more protected. There's no, there's no form of money that has ever been this sound, this hard, this secure, this perfect. And that is why I think everybody in the Bitcoin community can't stand a lot of these altcoins because if you're trying to compete with Bitcoin as a form of money, hey, that's fine. That's fine. Compete with it as a form of money, but you can't. It's the best form of money there's ever been, ever. Just because of all these things we're talking about. And I mean, all the basic principles of money as a store of value, it is perfected. And I, I mean, so yeah, I mean, Bitcoin, you can hold it now 
you know, Nick, I was on the uh, golf course yesterday with one of my friends who he just bought his like first $200 of Bitcoin. Finally got him in. Uh, and I was just talking to him about it as an investment, as a form of store of value, actually. And I was like, dude, Bitcoin is only 6% of gold's entire market cap right now. I mean, literally, it's all like it, it, it is still got 10x to go until it encapsulates gold. And it can do that so fast because like we're talking about gold, while it may be hard, you know, it's hard to transport. I mean, it's hard to move around. So that's not really good for nowadays. Gold is also still being mined. Gold can be faked. Gold also is like money and a store of value. It does get picked at the end of the day. So, and that's why as Bitcoiners, dude, I don't care about the price of, of Bitcoin right now. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where the most sound form of money has always been picked. It's a, it's a history lesson. So, so, so th- think about it now. Um, so, because c- a lot of this stuff, it's, it's really difficult to try to conceptualize without comparing it to what the value of the U.S. dollar is, right? Because that's what we, that's what we use on, on a regular day-to-day basis for all of our, all of our transactions, right? For the vast majority of us. I know that there's some parts in the world, right, that are using it. Um, as a medium of exchange, as, as a store of value, as national tender, right, in, in El Salvador. But for us, you know, two guys living in the United States, um, it's the U.S. dollar that we use for all of our transactions. So now think about the ideas, right, with, with a fixed supply, right? If there was, if well, there was only 21 well, million Bitcoin. We put a pin in that where it's, we're talking about the U.S. dollars. Um, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, like the only U.S. dollars, we use it as a, this, we talk about medium of exchange, but U.S. dollars are now for the last 100 years, our store of value. Is that what you're, is that what we're talking about now? Yeah, so, yeah, so, so, yeah, 100%. So now think about things being switched and being denominated in Bitcoin, right? How does that, how does that change from the dollar to Bitcoin, right? When we think about a, a Bitcoin standard, right, it, where things are denominated in Bitcoin, how much, how much Bitcoin does a haircut cost? What about to fill up my tank of gas or to buy a house, right? What does that look like? I think that's a huge question that, we haven't talked about a whole lot, but how do you then begin to to transfer denomination from the United States dollar to Bitcoin? And whenever you do that, now the, what what that amount is and how those things are are denominated as far as how many Bitcoin does it take to get a haircut or Satoshi's right? We, like we talked about earlier, one one hundred million of one Bitcoin is one Satoshi, so it's cents to dollars, right? How many Satoshi's is a haircut, right? Something as simple as that. Here's the cool part about it with the fixed value uh, or with the fixed supply of, of Bitcoin, one Bitcoin always equals one Bitcoin, right? That means that we don't see the increase and decrease in supply uh, or, or in prices of, of goods and services uh, because of corruption of money. Now, there still is uh, standard supply and demand within each market, right? If there's no demand for something, then value and price of that is going to go down, right? So that still works, right? Classical economic theories work with Bitcoin standard. What do you think about that? Yes. <laughs> you the know, the nomination of Bitcoin really is an interesting one. The denomination of it, you mean like, well, that will be, we'll have a whole episode too, where we'll talk about Bitcoin as a unit of account, obviously, <clears throat> and what the difference between unit of account and store value is. But yeah. Since this is our store of value one, I, I think it's just like, it's just crazy that, you know, in talking about dollars and 
like store of value do you like i mean nick how old are you 24 i'm 25 i as a 25 year old in america growing up in the times that i've grown up now knowing what i know about money and we're talking about how great bitcoin is just just as a hard sound form of money because if you believe in the internet and you believe in coding and you cryptography and just how secure Terra hashing is and the proof of work system. If you at least followed along with some of that logic, you you cannot argue that Bitcoin is not a very good just form of money. It's like it's in the ecosystem now. Ever since 2008, it's just, hey, it's just here. You know what I'm saying? Like it is, it's just around. That's all I'm saying. How do you, how do you feel? How do the people listening to this feel? thinking about U.S. dollars as your store of value. How do you feel about saving U.S. dollars for your grandkids, for your great-grandkids, for your family's legacy one day? Or how do you even feel about saving it for your your first-generation kids if you have kids? How do you feel about saving it for your retirement? And I feel horrific about it. I, I don't even see the point. Like, I keep an emer- I personally keep an emergency fund with cash to just, and, you know, people, my emergency fund's like a month because Bitcoin is obviously very liquid, good medium of exchange, which will be maybe our next episode. But um, Bitcoin is a great store value compared to dollars because they're 21 million. Like we're talking about, it's the perfect stock to flow. Whereas dollar stock to flow, 40% of them have been printed in the last year because of COVID. And that is, that just means that your dollars are not worth anything. And the difference between, the difference between Bitcoin and dollars is unbelievable. You can compare it to gold, but who really believes in gold at this point anymore? I mean, like, I, I'm not really too sure who even has the 10 trillion in, in gold at this point. I just feel like it's like some billionaires or Fort Knox or the, you know what I'm saying? Like, who really well, cares? Well, think of it like this, too. I mean, you think of the, the decentralization piece of it uh, the, and how that plays into it a little bit. Um, you know, gold is is has been the hardest form of money until Bitcoin, right? I think I think gold is probably the the second best and, and hardest money I would say out there. Um, well, obviously, there are, I mean, you know, and there's other stores of value now in the world, obviously, because the world is no longer. And so, <clears throat> I don't even know if we've said it so far. 1971. We don't even have to talk about the events that were going on in the world. The United States printed a bunch of money to go to war. President comes on, United oh, States. Nixon, no was Nixon, wasn't it? Nixon, no, yeah. He comes on. He he's like, yeah, the United States, which because of Bretton Woods after World War Two, I believe Bretton Woods, where basically everybody said because America's economy was the strongest, it and they also hid all of the gold from the Germans in in America that America is going to be basically the world's monetary policy, the U.S. dollar. But the U.S. dollar is still backed by gold. Well, in 1971, we wanted to go to war, so we printed a bunch of fiat money because it's very easy to print. It's a very terrible form of money. Go off the gold standard and print the money to pay for the war. Yeah. Exactly. So then we ha- then the president comes on, basically says, yeah, the United States doesn't recognize gold as <clears throat> basically like we're not going to back every dollar we print with one bar of gold. It's going to be more like we're going to back, we're going to back it on nothing. And, you know, good faith and credit of the government of the United States. Yep. 
And so now we literally, and the entire world is backed by the United States monetary policy in essence, because we are the world's strongest economy. Most people hold a lot of dollars in their reserves and we have printed 40% of it. You can argue due to COVID, but I would also say this was inevitable since 1971. This was just like all the way back when the Greeks, so there's a story, right? Basically where silver coins became the medium of exchange for dollars. And this is where like the, I want to say it's the Roman empire or, oh man, I feel like almost it doesn't matter for the example, a very old civilization, whatever it is, a very old civilization basically decided to back it every gold bar with silver coins because silver is much more divisible than gold so they needed something to break it down so they could exchange it in the streets and things like that gold's and they had exchange rates right where x amount of silver equaled x amount of gold and so they for smaller transactions but back then nobody had ever basically debased their own country's monetary policy yet so what they did was they essentially started diluting the silver year over year over year over year and they didn't tell the people, but, you know, they didn't also understand how that would affect, affect basic supply and demand in their markets, in their country, and how it affected probably their international trade as well. And what isn't, it, there, isn't there uh, instances where people were clipping coins and they were taking a tiny little chunk off each coin and then that, was, that amounted to a lot over time? Or they, they were putting less and less of that precious metal in the coin? How like now uh, in a nickel, right? Or in a penny, right? There's... or whatever it is, there's less of that precious metal in that. It's made of multiple uh, elements, you know. And you have to think about this. They didn't know, okay, hey, if there's four times the amount of silver coins just like in the marketplace, that's going to, like, that's just going to mess everything up. And so translate both of these examples back to where we're at right now. And with these fiat dollars, the United States government printed 40% of all fiat dollars, all M2 money supply in the last year. What does that mean? Well, I mean, if you go to your grocery store, there's less things on the shelves. Inflation is obviously hitting it at 7%. And that's like a fake number. Um, producer price inflation from December was 9.7%. And this is not going down anytime soon. So think about that as a store of value. How about here, here's a here's an example like, but like think about what we're just talking about like think about that as so that's what you want to hold for the rest of your life like that's like that's your savings account like yeah. i was talking to one of my friends the other day he had a lot of money in his savings account and while i do feel like you know if we're talking about investments and then we're not ever giving financial advice but holding cash right now is okay because if you really do feel like there's about to be a burst in the market due to what we're what i just kind of explained and how where the state of our money is um you know you do want to buy things cheap and potentially anything could be cheap here in about six months or it could still go up because inflation increases the price of assets so you know it's hard but just think about how we debased the dollar how the romans debased the coin how we debased it back in 1971 how the germans debased their country think about what that does to the economy and then think about the history like all of those history lessons all of these countries experience an economic collapse a societal collapse and that like the united states dollar recovered and it's still here but at some point this bubble will have to burst on the dollar and that means it as a store of value think about a shit coin 
that is, you know, think about um, Shiba coin. Oh, there's all this money in it. You know, at a certain point in time when the, like there's legislation and Bitcoin becomes like the, you know, the world monetary policy, the backing, the store value for all of these nation states, Shiba coin is going to go to zero. Well, think about the U.S. dollar as a shit coin. It will go to zero because it's not a store of value. And that's what it's trying to represent right now. And it's not a store of value. It never was meant to be. So, and it never should have been. So, so here's kind of a, an, an interesting picture of that that I saw online somewhere, probably on Bitcoin Twitter. Um, but it was kind of a quick little video. And it, and it was talking about a, a simple example of, of what uh, inflation, the increase in supply of U.S. dollars is doing to our US dollars, right? So think of this example, right? There's a pizza and it's cut into six slices and you pull, you pull, a, you've got one piece of pizza, right? But that's worth one sixth of the pizza, right? But you still got one piece of pizza. Now put it back and we've got a new pizza, right? And it's cut into a hundred million slices and you take, and you've still got one slice, but it's worth one, 100 millionth of that pizza, right? But you still have one slice. But the, the, the amount uh, or the, the value or the, the amount of pizza that that one slice, that one 100 millionth of the full pizza is less pizza than the one slice that you had previously when it was cut in six slices, right? That's what's happening with the dollar, right? If you hold uh, $1 in a, in a checking account or a savings account that's not earning anything, um, over time as supply increases, you still have that $1, right? But it's considerably less than the one dollar that you had previously and your purchasing power is so weak i have such a good example for you so i me and my fiance sierra for the podcast that's that's her name hopefully sometime you'll hear her on here uh you know and i hopefully she starts picking up on some of these bitcoin things maybe she'll even listen but i we basically created this because our significant others are tired of hearing us talk about bitcoin to them so (laughs) whatever like we're on here doing it it's fun um Best example I have. So last night I went to the grocery store and these, you know, for some reason at our grocery store out here is like, you know, party wings, right? Just like the little, like part, just wings that you get at Buffalo Wild Wings, bone-in wings. Okay. Yeah. That's what they're called at the grocery store. You know, there's like the, the store brand and then there's like the damn organic, like fresh farms brand. And I'm like, you know, I have an air fryer and the air fryer, you just, if you put the fresh farms one in there, man, they come out just, I don't know. There's better than like the store brand. Yeah. It's worth the extra dollar typically. So the price of these, uh, I've been, you know, I go to the grocery store because I watch the inflation nowadays. I like, I, I've watched the price of these things. So about maybe six months ago, they were like five bucks for like a package of, I'd say like 13 or 14 like wings at a certain point in time. Right. And it's honestly gone all the way up to about $8 at one point in time. And it just was like, I would say like a month ago, $8 but you were still getting the same amount, right? I was still getting like 13 or 14. Went there last night, price dropped significantly. It was only like $6. I was like, oh, sick. I was like, I think it was like six. It was like almost more towards seven. So really like a dollar less. But I like, I take them out, you know, I'm about to like season them, you know, pour them, put them in the air fryer, a little pawpaw seasoning, you know, some good stuff. I have to fucking send you some. Uh, <laughs> but uh, dude, there were like, there were nine wings. Mm. and i was like wow this is the shit i saw on twitter in real time like well that they they do that stuff with with like bags of chips as well like if if cost goes up they they they'll keep the price the same but they'll reduce the quantity that you're getting to for for the illusion that 
you're well, still paying the same amount for the same bag of chips, but there's less chips in the bag. You know, you have to think about it. That is what real inflation is. So the number that they're telling you 9.7% producer inflation, if you just did some like basic, what the, if I could have just tracked the price from three months ago, divided by the amount of wing, that is the inflation we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, what the final price is of your grocery store chart because they know how to manipulate those types of things. The marketplace knows how to deal with inflation because it's done it before. It has to survive. It has to do what it has to do. But what inflation is going to do is it literally is yinking your fucking purchasing power from you. Your checkings account, as Nick is saying, in real time, you are not going to be able to buy as much for your money. It's not going to be worth as much because they have put so much out there it is the shittiest form of money. So you go on a global scale. I'm pretty sure if you go to Venezuela, if you go to um, a couple South American countries, dude, they wipe their ass with their dollars because they're worth nothing. They're, they're not worth anything. You might as well just try to trade something. So it's, so it really is, it's kind of interesting. You talk about the inflation pieces here was from uh, from December here. Yeah, um, the, uh, the numbers that came out, right? We hit that the all items was 7% food, 6.3, energy, 29.3, and all items minus the food and energy, 5.5% inflation. I mean, that's that's pretty wild here. Check us out on Twitter. We've got the link here. You can come check that out. Um, but also, yeah, there, there's some actual numbers for you, you know? And also, let's, so tying it back into the store of value piece, right? So Bitcoin against gold, Bitcoin. Bitcoin against cash, obviously, is a store of value, Bitcoin. Talk about Bitcoin versus like, let's talk about Bitcoin versus bonds as a store of value. People hold 401ks for their entire life. And that is a store of value. So a bond is a store of value. Now, well, bond, well a bond and a 401k are, are two very different bond things. Bond 401k, um, yeah, I apologize. I was bond 401k, <laughs> any kind of portfolio in that nature, the S&P, anything like that treasury bond any i mean literally any of these types of investments just i guess i would say just investments that is a store of value real estate is a store of value if you put your money in it and you hold it over time or equities right Um, equities that equities that you either hold in a brokerage account or maybe a roth ira or a 401k or a standard ira um equities they're all stores of value right so bitcoin versus them is a store of value i mean it, it is it is definitely a co- topic of conversation. And what I would say is, you know, you invest in a blue chip company in a 401k. I, want, I, I think I would, like my example always is best served as 401k because I don't think I ever was interested in a bond. <laughs> so I never I never really researched it because I'm like, dude, do you know, do you know, like the basics of how, how a bond works? Huh? You know, basic, the basics of like how a bond works, like just the, I know the basics you know, of like nuts and bolts. and like how it works and, and like get it. Yeah, I understand. Well, I mean, like, so, so you can lend bonds uh, or you can buy bonds from uh, a government or yeah. um, you, you can buy them from the federal government. You can buy them from the state government. You can buy them from your local municipality that you live in. Um, and there's some different benefits that come along with that. But essentially, and you can also buy debt bonds from a uh, from a company as well. Um, and, and so the, the idea is that you're lending money to whatever that um, to whatever that group or company or government is, and then they give you this bond and, and with a promised, you know, return 
um, for your money on that, right? Um, we know that we know that bonds are now yielding negative, right? Based on based on inflation, which is crazy. But bonds are also something that over time, and this is what I would like. I feel like why sometimes I get a little confused by them. They're so low yield, so low rate of return because they're supposed to be quote unquote safe, right? I mean, it's something you learn about in school very safe, very low rate of return, but a rate of return nonetheless. And usually if inflation is 2% or, you know, I mean, I guess as long as you're beating inflation, it's okay because that means your dollars that are invested in them, you know, are winning against inflation over time. It's just a game well, of, of arbitrage, right? Right. And I mean, because you're literally just talking about four minus two and you get two. I mean, that's as simple, I mean, I don't know, that's as simple as it can get. And inflation now is at 7% and it's been over 5% for what, nine months? So that versus typical a typical bond market, I mean, bonds are literally negatively yielding against inflation um, currently. And, you know, a lot of people have money in those types of things, uh, as well as a 401k. But like how I do kind of view these investments right now are... Okay, here's Bitcoin, right? And when you buy, put you you take a U.S. dollar and you buy Bitcoin, you have now Bitcoin. Bitcoin is backed by Terra hashing all these things as as a store of value that we just talked about. Even these four hundred ones, we just talked about. We just talked about money. We just talked about what U.S. dollars and what kind of form of money a U.S. dollar is as a store of value. It's 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 a poo poo store of value. Nobody can argue that. There's nothing you can do about it. It's backed by a U.S. government, but it's really backed by our economy. And you can see where that's going in terms of what they're going to do to print it. All of these companies, bonds, are also backed by the U.S. dollar. And what is that? I mean, like, what does that say about all of these as a form of investment? I feel like it just like kind of highlights that they're terrible. So here was kind of a piece that I was... Um that I was writing about a little bit um, when it came to the, the stock to flow that we were talking about earlier here. And, and I'll have to pull up my notes here to see exactly how it was that I was writing it. But this idea that um, if, if the flow, if the flow of Bitcoin is low, meaning that there's less and less Bitcoin added into the total supply, um, that means that uh, the more Bitcoin that I can buy right now, because it's going to be a fixed supply, is going to hold its value and drastically increase, assuming that we hit mass adoption, right? And more people put money in Bitcoin and use Bitcoin, right? Because your, your Bitcoin is only as valuable as the section or, or the amount of Bitcoin that you hold in comparison to the total and what the total's value is, right? The market cap of that total. So if Bitcoin's market cap right now is, I think it's somewhere around 1 trillion, isn't it? Somewhere around that, give or take a little bit, I, I think. It, it went over and then it dropped back off as price came down. Um, so anyways, the, the, the portion of Bitcoin that you hold in relative to the total size of Bitcoin, the quicker or the, the faster that you can buy and accumulate more Bitcoin. 800, okay. So 800 and change, right? So the, the faster that you can accumulate one Bitcoin or two Bitcoin, whatever that is, the more that that's going to hold value a and appreciate over time as more money is moved and, and as as uh, Bitcoin eats up other sections right as as Bitcoin eats up gold as Bitcoin eats up the the money and the capital that's in the U.S. dollar and in business transactions and regular transactions 
as the full value of the Bitcoin network grows, your, your small piece of the, of the pie increases in value as well, respect, right? And then you, you know, so also like going along with that, you know, in a hundred and, you know, I hope in my lifetime, Bitcoin, it does turn into the medium of exchange as well. I would argue against there's people like Michael Saylor who think that, you know, the world is going to be a stable, stable coins backed by Bitcoin. That I feel like is such a crock of shit. I feel like that makes him kind of a spook in some, in some kind of ways, even though, I mean, I don't want to call him one, but I feel like Bitcoin is a very good, um, you know, in a hundred years, even as a store of value, if gold could have also been exchanged, people would exchange it. That's what we would use. You know, Bitcoin is perfectly divisible in that way. And maybe that's where we will get to, you know, like in a hundred years, like how is it going to work? You know, at a store value also being a medium of exchange in a world that's all on credit. And like, like you're saying, like everybody's, you know, throwing these dollars into Bitcoin that is eventually going to make it worth it's infinity in my opinion nick like you tell me like at the end of the day bitcoin's price point is infinity it'll be worth a hundred one bitcoin will be worth a hundred trillion u.s dollars at one point because u.s dollar is going to zero as a store value because at, at current point in time the federal reserve is printing dollars not only as a medium of exchange but as the store of value for the united states of america and where what is bitcoin's price point gonna be I mean, as a store of value, what is, where's the end goal? It's infinity just in the store of value. I mean, Bitcoin's potential market cap as a store of value is infinity because these dollars are not worth really much of anything. I know well, people- It's important to know too, that it's not, it's not the energy and the economic value of the, the US dollar uh, being destroyed and Bitcoin growing. It's a transfer of the economic value at the same time, right? It's not that- all of this, this economic value or money in the dollar is going to be lost. It's going to be transferred into Bitcoin. Right. That's the only way that that's it's, the only a, way that, it's yeah. a give and take, right? I mean, um, about, you dig a hole here and you take that hole, you take the dirt out of that hole and you put it and you fill this other hole, right? So there's now still a hole here, which is the dollar that goes to zero, right? That's the hole in the ground. And the economic value that was the inside of that hole, the dirt, gets then moved to the hole that was Bitcoin, right? And now Bitcoin is a flat surface and it's sound, it's solid. It's a, it's a solid foundation to build upon, right? Right. And it's just, but that's also just, I mean, like, it's, it would be difficult to talk about Bitcoin more in that light, just because once we're talking about that, like, and I guess we're kind of the point of this podcast where, okay. So Bitcoin's the best store of value available. We could talk about real estate. I do feel like real estate as a store of value is very competitive with Bitcoin in that nature because I do feel like land and also digital land, which is kind of like what, you know, Bitcoin is, you know, Bitcoin is digital real estate, uh, digital property. And we'll talk about that as, again, what is Bitcoin? That's all of these things. But right now as a store of value against real estate, you know, you just want what you have to appreciate over time. You want what you have as a store of value over time to obviously have more value. I think I saw something pretty crazy, like Pinehurst in North Carolina is this really awesome like golf course. Um, and I think the founders or the owners of it bought it 200 years ago or hundred years, whatever it is. And they bought it for like a few thousand bucks or thousands of dollars or something. And now it's worth like 200 million. <laughs> it's like, 
that is a great store of value. I think Grant Cardone even said that uh, on a podcast. Everybody knows who he is. Um, not everybody loves him, but he was like, you know, Bitcoin, you know, it, he, he thinks it's great. But he's like, man, he's like, well, what about a property that yields? Well, you know, over time, he's like, that's a better store of value. Um, well, against real estate, Bitcoin's argument is liquidity as a store of value and transferability. Um, and that is where, so if we're talking about, okay, the dollar is a poo-poo store value because the dollar defeats itself. Gold kind of has defeated itself at this point. Like what is gold really gold, worth? Gold, gold is, a, see, so here's something that I want to make clear about my, my stance here on gold compared. I think gold is a really solid store of value, but it's got its issues. And where those issues are is where Bitcoin picks up and makes it more efficient and still retains and at a better level the store values that gold, uh, the store value properties that gold has, Bitcoin makes those better and fixes the issues that gold has with how do you transfer this in an efficient manner? How do I use this to pay gas, right? Right. It and fixes those gold, issues of gold. Bitcoin smokes gold. And also in the world, there can really only be one apex store of value. So Bitcoin competes directly with it. It's in competition with it. I guess you could say gold is still the number one, obviously, but Bitcoin, you know, if you look at the price of gold to Bitcoin over the course of the last since 2008, since Bitcoin's inception, gold <clears throat> is losing pretty badly. Um, it, it, is, it is different. Yeah. Cause you got to think about how you denominate it, right? If we look at how everything is compared, it, if, if we look at how gold has done in the past year compared to how Bitcoin has done in the past year, denominated in dollars, well, Bitcoin has destroyed gold. We we all know that, right? I mean, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I know that gold is officially negative, um, and Bitcoin was way up, and then it came way back down, right? I mean, that's a whole other the volatility piece is something that we're gonna that we're gonna have to talk about here, and, and we're gonna right. get into that. Yeah, we formed complete ideas on on the yeah, volatility right. piece as, as well why that's happening. But as a store of value, we're talking about Bitcoin in the long term. You can't measure stores of value by the exactly volatility, and so. Exactly. So it beats money, it beats gold, it beats, it obviously beats pretty much any type of like stock, bonds, ETF, like any type of in traditional investment in a market, a money market um, in today's society. Bitcoin really beats it as a store of value, obviously. And then real estate, you know, you can, you can buy some pretty good property that over time, you know, even in the physical world, you know, you can buy some property that might be worth one Bitcoin, you know, even though there's only 21 million, there might be some properties in like in, in a hundred years that are worth a Bitcoin, you know, I mean, isn't it funny just, but that's what I'm in a Bitcoin to. being worth several hundred trillion or million dollars. Oh yeah. Because dollars is a store of value in this competitive market is going to get blown away. But think about this as a form of store of value, you know, everybody's goal at a certain point in time, or at least we all think about it. Wouldn't it be great to be a billionaire and to just leave the money to your family? I know everybody's spoiled rotten. It, it doesn't always guarantee happiness, but wouldn't you like to take care of that for everybody you care about, or even people you don't care about? Wouldn't you like to be the billionaire that gets to pick, you know, what they can do with their life and their kids can and their kids can, and you guys obviously have generational wealth and all those kinds of things. Okay. Well, you leave them some property and the kids don't want it. Well, you got to sell it. Okay. Then you got to think, think about the maintenance cost of it as well. You got to pay taxes on those things. You know, you Michael Saylor has a great piece on this. Like, how do you, if you're going to save a million dollars for, you know, generations past, how do you save a million dollars for a hundred years? How do you move yeah. it from America to Japan and, and, and keep the same value? How do you keep the same purchasing power moving it over there? 
how does it, um, you know, real estate, think about if your entire portfolio is in real estate. Well, at some point, somebody's got to give you some liquid cash or something liquid to use in the marketplace for you to actually go and live. So you're going to have to put this up as collateral or you're going to have to get credit for your store of value and it beats it. So Bitcoin really beats it in just like that very liquid way in which, you know, real estate, if we're talking about in the very long term, while you are there, as long as you can collateralize it and get some cash for it in today's terms or some, some, some Bitcoin in the future, um, great, but you always will have to go to a third party to go get some of this medium of exchange because real estate is obviously has no, you know, money. It's important to think about when we talk about what is Bitcoin, you know, money is all encompassing. It does include the medium of exchange part. It does include the store value part and the perfect form of money can be both, which Bitcoin is, but real estate is not really, uh, money. It is a store of value, but it's not really money. And that think, form, uh, is it mutually exclusive. You know what I'm saying? Is that the correct term? It's not mutually exclusive, meaning that like if if you have a if we're talking about a store of value, it, but also a form of money, it has to be a medium of exchange. And a so store yeah, something can be a store of value, but not a medium of exchange. Yeah. Or but they it, could be both, which Bitcoin is, which is really cool. Right. That's a it's a great part of it. Right. It's so efficient. Think think about it on this on this piece. Right. Really hard for it's never been done. It's just hard to do. It's hard to do both because look at the dollar. It's hard to do both. You can't. It's hard to have a store value and it also be a medium exchange. It's hard to do both. Yeah. So so think about think about the real estate example here on how do you how do you how do you store and preserve your wealth over call it a hundred years for example right if you're going to use real estate how much does it cost to preserve that property right if it's a personal home or if it's a person a piece of commercial real estate how much does it cost to maintain that property over that hundred years right you got. We know right now you've got to pay property taxes. You're going to have to pay to keep systems up, upgraded and, and uh, up to date, right? HVAC systems, plumbing, electric, all of those pieces. What happens if something breaks and something has to be replaced? You know, all of those things that you've got to do also, right? If it's some type of a, a rental property or if it's some type of, a, you know, a commercial property that you're leasing out, do you have to pay people to manage the business that is leasing out and running that property, Right. What if you're running a, a short-term, a short-term rental type of property, right? How much does it cost? What are the operating expenses of running that business, right? Whereas, what if I could just buy and hold the property that is Bitcoin, and there's no maintenance cost to it? What if I did that, right? You buy Bitcoin one time and you hold it, and now that's terahashed into and verified into the blockchain network that Bitcoin operates on, the Bitcoin blockchain. It's, it's hashed into that. And now, as long as you've got your private keys and your private wallet, which we'll have to talk about that at some point, because you want to make sure that you own it. If I own that Bitcoin, that holds whatever that value is, right? It's always going to be worth, but it's always going to be worth one Bitcoin. But it's always going to be worth one Bitcoin. And that, and that is, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you couldn't say that about the dollar. One dollar is not always going to be worth one dollar. That doesn't even mean anything. The value of one dollar over since the inception, since 1913, when the Fed was created, it's like down like 98% from the time it was created. I mean, the, the inflation and the supply of, of money has just has blown up over, you know, since, really since 1971, you go completely off the gold standard, right? But yeah, it comes back to, okay, if one Bitcoin is always one Bitcoin. Well, then the question is, what what is one Bitcoin worth, right? 
And that again goes back to the question of, well, compared to what? Compared to the dollar, compared to real estate, or compared to Bitcoin? And that is just, and that's just how it competes with that's, all. And that's the store of value, right? If, if everything is, is, is denominated in the Bitcoin and Bitcoin is the store of value, one Bitcoin is always one Bitcoin, right? Now that comes in the question, how do we, how do we devise this up? How much does a haircut cost in Bitcoin, right? Once we get to that point where those answers are figured out, Bitcoin becomes a true, absolute scarce form of money that can be used as a medium of exchange, as a store of value. Which it's, is incredible and like we'll have to have a whole different episode where we talk about like what we think sound money can do for society like that's like that that'll can that can be like a whole that may that'll maybe even after our like how we do this like bitcoin what is it series but you know what sound money could do for society and what bitcoin is you know going to do for society you know think about a lot of like the golden age or a renaissance or uh, i see this a lot from bitcoiners i, I don't want to like i don't want to sound stupid but i think somebody tweeted like i think it was leonardo da vinci and michael michelangelo pretty much like were alive and were around like at the same exact time during a renaissance where like gold was obviously like the store of value and gold's a great so obviously there's been really good times under gold it's just that over time you know but this gives a potential with bitcoin as well i don't i don't i think it's going to be really hard is what i'm saying but i think what you're saying is that the innovation flourishes when when money is sound when money is sound innovation flourishes yeah like i mean like two of our the greatest artists and scientists and inventors and just thinkers and just whatever everything that was happening in the renaissance period like 15 miles apart in like the most the wealthiest nation state at that time um and obviously if you know the united states decides to go with bitcoin here as our store of value you're going to see some incredible work done in the united states just like you have in the past when one dollar equaled one block of gold you know that's not even that it might be a hard for money might be good it's still not as good as having just gold bars it's just it's just not as sound but even nowadays, obviously, everything in our society is backed by endless inflation, government strength, things that really shouldn't be involved in money. It's really, I mean, honestly, we'll, this will be looked at as, I'm not going to say a dark age, obviously, because of the technological revolution, there's obviously um, some... It's the information age. It's the information age. There's, yeah, well, the internet really saved the day on that because if there was no internet, like this could be looked at as a dark age in my time, uh, all 100 years of a fiat standard because it really, think about all the young people out, out in the world who have not had an opportunity or get involved in something wrong because money is so diluted. It has caused so many problems in just America alone. I mean, think about like some of like LA, Chicago, New York City, how much talent, how much, how much brain power, how, like, what innovation did we miss out on? Because money is so manipulated nowadays. It's so bad. It's so soft. It's so, you know, in so it gets put into the wrong places because nobody really cares about its value. Think about how much we've lost out on. Think so about tell, tell me, tell me what you think about this because of that, right? If you don't have a sound store of value, um, you naturally uh, at some level are not going to have as much security in your life financially and monetarily, right, uh, as you would if you had a sound store value, right? And, and because of that, I, I've got to imagine that um, the insecurity that comes with that 
um, leads people to not, to not operate in the ways that, that you see people operating in uh, a sound money economy, um, I, I would think that that's got a huge psychological element to it, right? That, that we, we aren't even probably aware of, right? It's such a subconscious type of thing. But we're not even hardly aware of I think about, I try to think about sometimes just like a basic family who doesn't have a lot of money, but you know, if you're a mom and dad with a couple kids, but you have no money and it's like, if you, the only thing you can do is put money in a savings account because that's all the money that you have and that's how you save it. Well, or you don't have enough money to save any, maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck, you know, well, paycheck to paycheck, but even like, you know, the most basic form of investment is a savings account you know, just save money, just spend less than, you know, you make and save some of that money. I obviously I'm saying that, yes, it is very hard. And the state of money is very bad. And people on a minimum wage probably can't even save money. But if they could, you want that money to in 20 years, have the same, if not better value. And that's just not want to save it to use it at a later date. Yeah, 100%. Whether it's an emergency fund or I'm saving for retirement in cash, which we know is a bad example, right? But I'm saving for cash to use later. Or you want that dollar to buy your kids a good private education because the dollar should be worth so much. It should be so valuable that, you know, you don't have to use that many of it to send your kid to a better education to, I don't know, like move out of move out of a bad area to do do the things that it would require to foster innovation, to foster talent, because that's what we're talking about. It's like we go all the way back to time is money because we all work and we all use our time. You can never get any time is the ultimate sound form of money. If we could just denominate time somehow, you know, you know what I'm saying, which is kind of what Bitcoin is. I mean, when you have a finite, perfect sound money. It really is perfectly denominating time, but time is money because we all go work. Then we all go buy stuff because we get paid with dollars. Then we all go buy stuff in exchanges. So we're all just kind of out here exchanging time. And I think it's just really important to note that if you devalue that, then it's just going to take people a lot. Like literally, I think mathematically, you could draw out an equation, but if you devalue somebody's time if you devalue the dollar like they're devaluing it the quality of the dollar aka the quality of the time no wonder teaching's getting worse no wonder public school's getting worse no wonder we don't have people aren't getting smarter no what because the quality literal direct relation to the like the solid like the soundness of our money that we've used now it is starting to creep into the quality of everything in our society and that's like that matters as a store of value because really what we're talking about money doesn't matter how much money you doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Not everybody's going to be able to make the same. Not everybody's as smart. Not everybody's going to be able to make the right investment. But what's important is if they have a dollar in 50 years, if they just saved all those dollars, you know, you really want those dollars to be able to purchase more over time. And I think that's, what's so amazing about and at the very least the same, right? At the very least the same. And you know, it just doesn't. And I think that's what really what bit, what is Bitcoin going to do? What is Bitcoin doing? Um, it's going to give everybody the ability to save. I mean, it's going to give the the world the ability to become autonomous. And well, that is, again, another episode like where we think it could go. But that we're talking about as a store of value, you're storing your time. Bitcoin is the best store of your time ever. And it and it will not be able to be competed against because at the end of the day, you know, you like to say you own your real estate. 
until the government needs to put a pipeline right there and they're they're buying you out or they're saying get lost you know i mean like you say you own your dollars until they tax them i mean you say that gold has all of this value until you try to break it down or until you take a gold bar to a store and they're like i mean like how much is that worth like people don't know anymore nobody cares about gold it's just not the time and at the same time bitcoin at the time where all of the current traditional money that's been around for all this time is getting so soft and so crappy, Nick, Bitcoin is, guess what? Block after block, sound money, the monetary network is protected. And at some point in time, there will only be 21 million ever minted, ever put out into existence. Sound money. How much is that going to help society? I think it's just going to be, turn us into like the golden age renaissance of like we've never ever seen before because we're going to get the best quality time out of all like as many human beings as you can at that point you're going to get the most quality for your money and then you're going to and in turn since we know time is money the, the high quality time we're going to get from people is insane and that's kind of where i think bitcoin like how far can it go man like think about that think about even right now in your young life if if all this money you made actually was able to buy the things that it should, you know, how many more ideas, how many more entrepreneurs will we have that would be successful? How many more um, scientists would be able to be funded by, you know, there are some people out there that might make a billion dollars and fund Jurassic Park. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that's good or bad, but I'm saying, you know, there's not that many billionaires. There's not that many people who can, can fund projects that they want to do because the quality of money, like what you can actually buy with money and get done for that money right now in the marketplace is terrible. There's Rosie. But uh, I don't know. As a store value, I feel like it's important because it's just going to boost our society over time. Um, and really technology, that's what we're talking about. When, it, when technology really does make the world deflationary, it can only do so if we have a really sound form of money. Otherwise, we're just kidding ourselves. You know, we're not going to get to the robot age, the AI age, the, you know, the regenerative medicine, everybody's healthy age, if our money is not perfectly sound. So as a society, it is, you know, and Nick, as an, we talk about as an investment, but as a store of value, as a society, it will just get picked, I feel like, for the things I'm talking about, because there is only one option. There's nothing else out there that's Bitcoin. And you can see now, what is it up? 96 million percent in the last 10 years. It, it's going to like, it's going to look like that. If you buy it at 40,000 today, not financial advice, but if you buy it at 40,000 today because of how Bitcoin is positioned as a store of value and where you can, you can't print 40% of a money supply like we just explained and then try and just get it back. Unless they're about to tax all of us like an astronomical amount, unless they're about to do some crazy stuff, uh, they're never going to be able to fix this. So with Bitcoin, I mean, it's just going to change everything. It's change everything. I mean, I think it's crazy. Value, huh? what it's is something to be mesmerized by. Well, I guess, I guess we could, we could wrap this one up today with, uh, you know, Nick is Bitcoin a store of value. <laughs> and is it, is I, it, the best store value i'm giving this one a thumbs up a, a yay for me it, yeah, is. it is too obviously and uh i hope you know in the next one i think we're, we'll do medium of exchange 
Yep, I think we're doing medium of exchange next, Jim. Yeah, so in the next podcast, we do appreciate, obviously, everybody listening today because it was mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's always fun talking about Bitcoin. I think it got really good sure. there in the middle, but uh, Bitcoin as a store of value, at the end of the day, it's not something me and Nick have to say, oh, it's a store of value or it's not a store of value. Everybody will decide for themselves over time. <clears throat> and I it, truly, it'll just be picked due to the fact that technology is taking over. Uh, we need something that's sound. We need somewhere to go. And uh, next week, we're going to get to Bitcoin as a medium of exchange, I believe. And yep. believe it or not, Bitcoin is perfectly divisible. <laughs> I mean, like almost too good to be true. I, I know we're going to sound like nut jobs, but, you know, in a certain point in time, this is what technology has allowed people to do. And really, if we're all in, you know, humans really can all come together in this planet man like who's to say what can we not do i mean at the end of the day we've it's been shown to nothing is impossible on this planet you know so we'll see hey that uh, store of value there for bitcoin we appreciate you guys listening if you made it all the way down here we appreciate you guys um again you know we're here to actively learn and talk through different ideas and stuff you know we're still learning as we're as we're uh, putting these out here so whatever thoughts you guys got um we'd love to talk about it connect with us on twitter at Nick and Griff show. It's all spelled out and is spelled out Nick and Griff show at on Twitter, as well as on Gitter. Um, we've got our YouTube page. That is uh, the Nick and Griff show.com. Uh, you can go check us out there as well. Uh, or it's Nick and Griff show.com that shoots you straight to our Twitter. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's have a conversation. We'd love to talk to you guys more about this. Appreciate you listening and we will see you next week.